Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So exciting week here at the Darden School of Business. It's the first week of classes for our newest executive MBA and part-time MBA students. And also, we have launched the applications for our executive MBA and part-time MBA classes enrolling next August. That would be August 2024. In light of this occasion, Ali Torres and I connected here on the podcast to talk about the application process for our executive MBA and part-time MBA programs. If you are looking to apply to either of these programs in the upcoming cycle, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ali Torres, Assistant Director of Admissions here at the Darden School of Business. Ali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me here, Brett. It's great to have you back on the show so soon. I know. It's just, yeah, it's great to be here. Well, hopefully our listeners have listened to your first episode all about you and your background and how you got here to Darden. It's great to have you here to talk about our new applications for the Executive MBA and Part-Time MBA programs. It is that season. It is that season. I'm excited to be here, talk about it. Um, Yeah. And we're sitting here in Charlottesville, one of the Darden Media Studios, recording uh, this week because, well, it's the first week of classes for our newest executive MBA and part-time MBA students. How has it been to be down here for the first week of school? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm feeling so energized right now. I think it's been a pleasure seeing all the admitted students um, officially begin the program. I mean, we've been there from the initial calls um, to talk through the program the interview process, the application process, and to see them here in person and to feel that excitement, it's been really special. What we always say is this is the first time we've actually seen the whole class together because we get to know people through these individual rounds. For example, executive MBA, some people apply in September, other people apply. In this case, uh, this year, we had some people apply in July. So it's a long runway. And then here we are, first week of school, finally get to see the full class. We have 123 executive MBA students. We have 71 part-time MBA students and, and really good energy. Uh, yeah. Fun to see them kind of as a group and get to know their learning teams and explore Charlottesville, everything that comes with this first week. Well, and I think even seeing them make those connections and as we've gone out to dinner or done things, seeing them go out in groups and gather together. And I think even if they're from different um, different rounds, as you said, seeing those connections already being made and formed has just been really fun. The occasion for this podcast is that we've launched our executive MBA and part-time MBA applications for our classes that will enroll August 2024. So the recruitment cycle has begun. Uh, The applications are out into the world. How does that feel? I mean, it feels very exciting. Uh, Our admissions team has really been thoughtfully preparing the application and um, this year's launch. And so to be part of that, I just feel very fortunate and to speak to prospective students and, and to hear their anticipation for this launch. It's, it's been nice that it's, it's finally out there so I can tell people apply. It's open. Yeah, that's right. We've been getting some questions over the past few weeks. Hey, when will the application be available uh, for the executive MBA program or part-time MBA program? Well, the applications are are now available uh, from a deadline structure. We're going to follow a very similar deadline structure to the one we followed last year for these programs. Uh, First executive MBA deadline will be 10 September. We'll have monthly deadlines thereafter, and we'll go until the class fills. And typically for an executive MBA class, we'll work on the class into the spring and summer months. As I mentioned, we had a June 10, June 25, and even we're accepting applications after June 25th this year. So we'll see uh, what this cycle brings. Every year is a little bit different. With part-time MBA, first deadline's October 1, and we have essentially a deadline every couple months. So October 1, December 1, February 1, April 1, June 1. Similar with executive MBA, we'll go until the class fills. And uh, last year, 
the part-time MBA class came together a little quicker. We only had four deadlines. We actually closed the application uh, in April. Um, but we'll see. Every cycle, as mentioned, is a little bit different. Last the previous year, we used our June deadline. Um, but the general advice, if you're on, if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're thinking about applying to Darden. General advice is to apply as early as you feel like you can put together a strong application. Uh, certainly applying in September, October, and one of the benefits is that you know you're applying at a time when we have the most seats available in the class. We have the most scholarship money available. Um, Allie, how do you encourage people to think about the application timing or when's a good time to apply? Yes, um, I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but saying um, kind of looking at um, you know your application, when you can put together the best application. So in the admissions office, we look at the applications holistically. Um, so there are a few elements that we look at. We look at your educational experience, your work experience, and then you as a person. Um, so I would advise any applicant uh, looking to put in their application to really think about this opportunity to tell those parts of their story um, and knowing when they can bring those elements together to submit that application uh, and choosing that deadline that aligns with them. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is about feeling confident when you press submit on your application. What are the steps that you're going to need to take? Feel like you're putting your best foot forward. Uh, one way to think about the application is an initial introduction to who you are. So as you prepare for the application process, as Ali has mentioned, it's a storytelling exercise. It's not just I'm providing this information and this information and this information. You're really thinking about how all this information together can be considered to tell a story about who you are. And so uh, some of the prep work you might want to do before even you start, before you even start working on your application is developing a list of priorities, those things that you absolutely want to make sure are conveyed through this application. When we read it, what do we learn about you? What do we know about you? And if you're invited for an interview, our process and interviews required to receive an offer of admission and interviews are by invitation only. So if you're invited for an interview, it's a positive step in the process, but it becomes an opportunity for you to really deepen our understanding of who you are as a person, as a candidate, and really kind of bring the why of your story out, your motivations, your values, what's led you to make the choices that you've made over the course of your life and your career. And you can think about the two parts of the application, the application itself, the interview, uh, working together to kind of tell this very full, comprehensive story about who you are as a person, helping us understand who you'll be in the Darden community. I, th I think that's really, people ask us all the time what makes a strong application. I think people who really understand their story, they're able to translate that to the application, to the interview. They've done the self-reflection, the introspection necessary to kind of really dig in on their motivations, the why of their story. Those are the people for me, Allie, I, I don't know about, about you, but those are the people who really stand out in the process. Yes, no, I would agree with that. Um, I think those people who really get in to the, the elements of their story, they bring it together, together um, sorry, they bring it together cohesively and they tell, um, you know, the elements that really highlight those aspects um, it's the best to read it and even to interview when you're when you're talking to someone and they've really thought through how to tell their story. Um, I think those are the most successful applicants. Yeah, the reason why we emphasize the sort of pre-work or getting organized, even just 10 to 15 minutes reading through the application, thinking about the various elements of the application, thinking about you about your application priorities, and then sort of layering those application priorities across the application, thinking about how do the various elements of the application help you advance these things that you absolutely want to make sure you're communicating to the admissions committee? Taking 15 minutes or so just to get organized to do that can make a material difference in the quality of someone's application. Uh, that thought, that intention, you can feel it when you read someone's application. And I think the other thing is, you know, there is an element of sort of 
you can't share everything about yourself uh, in this, right? You're having to make choices uh, about what you do share. Uh, you know, you have a resume, you have a recommendation, you have essay questions, you have you have places in the application where you're providing, you know, hobbies, interests, these kinds of things. But again, you have to be selective. And so having some guide, again, doing that pre-work, developing those application priorities can be really, really useful. So uh, that's a typical, that's typically a tip I start with, uh, with folks. Uh, and then at the end of all of that, I think one of the things we talk about typically on our launch webinars is at the end of that, you work through your application, you take that step back, you sort of think about it from the admissions committee's perspective. Is there anything that we might have questions about? We might want to know a little bit more about and that's where maybe the additional comment section can come in, place to really kind of tie things together, maybe provide a little bit more detail about something that's maybe ambiguous, not exactly clear from your application. How do you encourage candidates to think about that part of the application? Whenever you're looking at your application, and if you see that there is maybe an element that you might um, ask yourself like about a gap or about um, something that maybe wasn't highlighted that you feel really has an element of your personal story, um, that is a great place to do that. We've had people who maybe had, um, you know, not a great semester uh, in their undergrad that have used that section to mention what happened there, how they've learned and grown throughout that process. We've had them use it to explain a life circumstance or even just to tell us about why they picked the recommender that they did. And so it's, it's a really great place to, to highlight, um, those elements and bring in those additional that additional information that's not rel that's not available in your application. Yeah, it's a place to clarify, a place to tie things together, as as you mentioned. And so, share all this at the beginning of this to kind of give people a framework for how to think about approaching the application process. And so, so sort of summarize what we talked about here. Read through the application. Now that you have a sense of the application, what are those things, those application priorities that you absolutely want to make sure you convey? And sort of think about how the various elements of the application can help you do that. And as you work through your application and as you finalize your application, try to put yourself in the position of an admissions committee member looking at the application. What would you have questions about? What would you want to know more about? And know that there are spaces in the application, the additional comments section, namely uh, to clarify, to provide more detail. So now that we've given that sort of framework, that overview, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the constraints constituent elements of the application. I think probably one of the most overthought portions of the application, the one that we get maybe some of the most questions about, are the essay questions. And the reason why I say it's overthought is people, I think, oftentimes wonder, is there a right answer? Like, you know, they try to focus maybe a little bit too much on what they think we want to see rather than what they affirmatively want to communicate through their responses. And that's one of the things that I always encourage candidates to keep in mind is that we ask these questions because they align with important community values here. We pick these questions because we think that they help you learn about Darden, but also share about important things uh, in your background and your experience that align with things that we think are ultimately important uh, here at, at the school. And so it's this two-way way conversation. So, Allie, tell us a little bit more about this year's essay questions. Yes, um, we've made some adjustments to one of the essay questions. It's, it's the first one. Um, but I agree with you in, in that a lot of prospects, um, prospective students really ask, what are you looking for? Um, how can I answer this so I can get in? And I think it's more of, of you. We really want to get to know you. And, and these are really great ways to highlight that. But the first question that we've, um, kind of changed it, it's very similar, but it's what would you want your classmates to know about you that is not on your resume? And we've also shortened the word limit on that. That used to be 200 and now it's 100 words. And um, I think the reason behind that is that we really want you to be able to um, clearly communicate something 
personal about yourself, something that you really want to highlight. Um, and the word count, I mean, you're going to have to work within that limit, uh, but it it really gives you that opportunity to to showcase that and think and be very thoughtful about what you want to say. For sure. And, you know, your relationship with your classmates, we get asked all the time about the sense of community in these programs, uh, executive MBA and part-time MBA. Um, you know, how do students engage with each other? What is it like outside the classroom? You may know that we have a number of professional degree programs, student organizations. There's opportunities for student leadership through the Executive Student Association and the Part-Time Student Association. And so uh, these are places where you're going to come and get to know your classmates and build relationships uh, that will last beyond your time in the program. And so uh, we ask this because, well, this is a big part of the Darden experience, whether you're a full-time MBA, part-time MBA, or executive MBA student. Um, and it's probably no surprise, again, that this is part of the experience. If you just consider how you learn here at Darden's case method is participatory, it's discussion based. So I always tell prospective students that the people who choose this program, they're kind of wired for this kind of experience, right? You, you wouldn't choose a case method experience unless you were interested in the other people in the classroom, how they think, the experiences that they've had, the perspectives uh, that they bring. It's, it's written into the DNA of a learning experience. Um, so let's talk about the second question uh, that we've asked here. Yes. Um, so the second question is about, um, so it's, please describe a tangible element that illuminates your experience promoting an inclusive environment and what you would bring to creating a welcoming global community at Darden. Um, and I think there's so many ways you can approach this. I've seen it done in many ways, but we, I think that really embodies, um, Darden's mission to to bring together so many different people from different backgrounds. And um, I think, as Brett said, you're going to be forming these lifelong connections. And so to make sure that, um, that that's part of you and, and your values and, and what you're bringing to the program. So again, so many different ways to approach this, but being thoughtful in, in how you do that and um, in, in, that, in that approach. And one of the things that we've learned, we've had multiple studies sort of thinking about the community here and student experience here. And what we learn is that individual community members play an extremely important role in making everyone feel included. Inclusion is directly tied to student satisfaction and, and outcomes here. And, and so we acknowledge that faculty, staff, but especially students um, have a role to play in helping students feel included um, and supporting each other and, and all of these all of these kinds of things. And, and so we want to ask this question because we feel like it aligns with an important community value and gives students a chance to talk about a time when they took an action uh, to make someone feel included. Uh, the third question here is, well, uh, probably one of the most business school questions. It's probably the one that I think applicants are, are expecting to speak to when, when they work on an application. Tell us more about the third essay question. Yes. Um, so the third question is, at this time, how would you describe your short-term post-MBA goal and how does it align with the long-term vision you have for your career? And um, I agree. It's very business-focused. Um, I think something that that I've heard you say, Brett, is that um, – this is your goal right now at this time, right? And so we know that there are so many things that can be changing in your life. And I think especially you're, you're coming to, to this business school, you're looking to engage with other people. So you're still learning. It may change, um, but this is kind of what we want to know right now. Like, what are your goals right now? What are you hoping to get from the program? Why are you applying to Darden? What is this going to do for, for you in your career? And so I think being thoughtful about that as well um, is really helpful for us. 
I think that's right. And, and we're listening for the story that you're telling here, uh, the thread uh, of your idea and your motivations. Uh, there is not, as mentioned, uh, there's no right answer to these questions, but we are listening. Uh, as we read these questions, we're listening to sort of looking for you know some thoughts some reflection maybe even some reality testing of the ideas here short term and long term what you'd like to do uh for career and and, and as you, if you're invited to interview this question will come up again and it becomes a place for you to provide even more information because here in the application i think you have about 200 words or so to speak to it so not a lot of real estate uh, but you can fairly expect in, in the interview to be asked to speak uh, to your career goals and how an mba and, and also particularly how darden uh, fits into these plans. It, it, you may have picked up, these are the three essay questions that we have in the executive MBA and part-time MBA applications, uh, but none of them is a wide Darden question. And, and so uh, we really want to keep the focus on you and, and your story, uh, but know that if you're invited to interview, we are going to ask about what in the Darden program, uh, the program that you're targeting executive MBA or part-time MBA, it's really exciting to you. And how does this also uh, fit in fit into your career goals. You have more real estate to talk about it, but we ask multiple questions. Um, candidates ask about sometimes. The short is the operative word, so short essay questions, uh, as Ali had shared. Uh, max word response is actually that second question is three hundred words. Question responses are generally a hundred to three hundred words, but we ask multiple questions to give you an opportunity to share more about about yourself and, and your background. Um, and we feel like uh, this has been a good mix of questions. They touch on important community values. They help us begin to get a sense of someone's voice and who they'll be uh, in our community and classroom. And, and if you think about the way that the application works in, in our process, if we read the application and, and, and ultimately sort of think, is this somebody we'd like to get to know a little bit more? We think that they could be uh, a good student here. We think they could be successful here. They could be a good community member. That's where the interview invitation comes in. And we sort of say, well, let's talk to this person more. Let's hear them tell their story. And so as you think about how the essays fit within the broader application, this is really our first opportunity to hear your voice and begin to get a sense of your personality. And so um, limited real estate, but nevertheless an impactful part, uh, part of the application. But don't overthink it. Remember, the focus here is on what you want to communicate, not what you think we want to hear. Um, so let's talk about the transition to talk about, I think, the thing that we get the most questions about. Uh, part of the application um, that, that seems to generate a lot of emails and, and phone calls and questions on webinars is uh, test versus test waiver uh, requests. So uh, for folks who are just learning about our application process for our executive MBA and part-time MBA application, uh, candidates have a choice uh, to provide a test score or to submit a test waiver request with their application. Now, I will note, if you've already taken uh, one of the standardized tests that we accept, Executive Assessment, GMAT, GMAT Focus, GRE, MCAT, LSAT, and you have a valid score, meaning it has not been canceled, it's not expired, you will need to provide that score and report that score with your application. So when we say you have a choice here, it, it's really assuming that someone has not yet chosen to take a test or taken a test or, or submit a test waiver request. You're kind of thinking through uh, this. So uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about how you might might think through this. Allie, what, what are the parts of the application that can help us understand someone's academic readiness for the program? Because I, I think ultimately, when we start talking about test score, it's better to sort of think about it within the broader context of, well, what is this about? You know, this is ultimately about helping us understand someone's readiness, the ability to do the to do the work that they're going to be asked to do here. Yes, I would say that um, applicants with a strong professional and academic background um, with quantitative elements uh, usually are the most successful when they're looking at doing a test waiver. So, um, you know, that could be through your GPA, through courses you've taken in your undergrad, if you have a master's degree with quantitative coursework, um, background in fin finance or accounting. Um, 
those kind of indicators uh, kind of show to us that you can be academically prepared for the classroom. And I, I think that's the main purpose, right? So it's another data point or element that determines your readiness um, for the academic environment here at Darden. And, and that's why we want to make sure that you're successful with that. Um, but those are some of the elements I would say that um, that show that you will be successful if you're in an accounting or finance or um, decision analysis course. And so, um, yeah, I think being thoughtful about if I have some of these elements and I feel prepared in my application and I can show that, um, then you might be a good candidate for a test waiver. Yeah, I think, you know, the way that we always encourage candidates to think about this first and foremost, as, as I mentioned, is what does a test score do in, in our application process? And it's really a way of providing typically a more recent data point that kind of speaks to your academic readiness for the curriculum that you're going to see here at Darden. As Ali noted, uh, that curriculum includes quantitative courses. Everybody at Darden takes a core curriculum. Uh, in that core, you have things like accounting, finance, decision analysis, operation, global economies and markets, uh, some of the more quantitatively oriented courses, but you also have qualitative courses uh, too. So our role as an admissions committee member, it, you know, as we're reading your application and one of the things that we're thinking about, you know, we're certainly trying to get a sense of who you are personally and professionally, but on this sort of academic front, we're trying to think about on the basis of this information here, do we think that this person can be successful, that they can do the work? Can we make an evidence-based judgment in that assessment? And so your challenge as a candidate as you kind of think through your application, and particularly this test versus test waiver consideration is, you know, is there enough evidence here? If you, again, putting yourself in the position of the admissions committee member, is there enough evidence here uh, for us to make that evidence-based judgment, to feel confident that if we were to admit you to the program, you can be successful? And so one easy place to start as you're kind of weighing this out is to do, I know this is not a terribly sexy word, but do effectively an audit, thinking about these different sources of information. So uh, you have degree-related coursework, uh, undergrad, for example, how did you do an undergrad? What were the courses that you took? How does that average GPA or how does your GPA compare to our average GPA? Uh, do you have a graduate degree? How did you do in grad school? Um, what's the what's the degree that you earned? Is it quantitative or analytical in nature? So transitioning as well to also thinking about non-degree related coursework, things like MBA math, Coursera. Sometimes we'll see people who've done, done Harvard core. Um, the list kind of goes on there, but are there non-degree related courses that you think would also bear upon this evaluation? We'll oftentimes see people who've done professional certifications, PMP, series licenses, CPA, CFA, things like that. Do you have information in, in that bucket uh, that could potentially be relevant here? And then last but not least, you also have your work experience. Uh, how many years of work experience? What's the nature of the work that you've been doing? Uh, have your roles and responsibilities been quantitative or analytical in nature? And so as you do that audit and you kind of think about, okay, these are the different you know, sources of information. Do I have a robust data set here? If the answer, you know, sort of, again, trying to put yourself the position of an admissions committee member, if you sort of take a step back and you say, you know, I think objectively, this is a pretty persuasive set of data. I, I think that I have enough evidence here. I think I can make a strong case for a test waiver. That would probably lead someone to say test waiver request makes sense. If you then, if you do that exercise and sort of take that step back and you say, I'm not sure this is as strong as I'd like it to be. I'm not sure if I feel super confident, you know, applying with a test waiver, that might lead you to take a standardized test. 
Uh, and that's really, I would say, the framework that we encourage candidates to use here as you weigh this out. Um, there's no right answer, wrong answer. It's your application at the end of the day. It's about you feeling confident uh, when you press submit and putting forward the application that you really feel uh, speaks to who you are. And so you ultimately have to make the best choice for you. I, I will say, if you're thinking about a standardized test, um, would encourage you to do a little bit of research around the executive assessment. It's the most popular standardized test with many of our working professional candidates, uh, certainly for our executive MBA candidates. Is, but we are also seeing some part-time MBA candidates take it as well. It's a 40-question, 90-minute test. It's 20 to 30 hours of preparation on average. Uh, we view all of the tests that we accept equivalently. So uh, view the EA, GMAT, GRE, MCAT, LSAT, all of these tests equivalently. So we do not have a test preference, but I always just plug the EA because people don't know as much about it. It's a relatively new test compared to some of these other tests. Um, and again, has the benefit that it was designed for busy working professional uh, students and it fits into your life and schedule a little bit more easily than say studying for the GMAT or GRE. And so for those of you just sort of on a more technical level and thinking about submitting a test waiver request with your with your application, uh, you actually find the test waiver request in the application itself. You go to the test score section, there's a question that says, would you like to be considered for a test waiver request? You would say yes, it opens up a text box up to 500 words where you can really frame your request, make your request. Um, Ali, we always talk about it doesn't have to be 500 words, but also should be more than a sentence. How do you encourage candidates to think about um, crafting this request? Yes, I think um, you've hit a lot of elements that they can consider as they're writing this request. And it's really about like Dear Admissions Committee, you know, kind of formulating and bringing all those elements together to to showcase that. And so if you do have um, qual quantitative and qualitative work or um certifications or any kind of things, making sure you hit on those elements so that we can clearly um, hear, I mean, see and read what you're, um, what you're highlighting. I think it helps us to, to make that case. Um, if you write one sentence, like, I think my work experience and um, education speak for, for my test waiver, then it makes us, you know, have to do a lot of work and, and looking back at those things. But if you already have it highlighted, you talk about your GPA, it's above average, it's, and so like hitting on those specific elements and being as specific as possible is really helpful. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be 500 words. It just needs to um, provide that information clearly for us. And so the waiver request is considered along with the full application and an update is provided at the time of decision. Um, so uh, what that means is it's really for decision outcomes. And I think it's a good time to talk about what can happen after you press submit in terms of decisions. So uh, there's really four possible decisions. Uh, two of them are pretty easy to understand. Two of them are worth explaining a little bit more. Uh, so let's imagine you submitted a test waiver request and you're admitted to the program. That means your waiver request was granted. Uh, you're admitted. You probably will. You will also receive a scholarship update at the time of, of decision if you're admitted. That is a parallel review that happens along with the admissions process for candidates who are slated for admission. Uh, there's another decision outcome of, of deny, uh, which is a final decision. You can only apply once in a given admission cycle. Uh, so that is unfortunately the end of the road. Um, and then there's two other decisions that are kind of in between these two. Um, conditional offer, which is a decision that we use for candidates that we'd like to extend a full offer of admission to, but we need to see a little bit more evidence typically of their academic readiness before we do so. And so for a conditional offer, one of our more common conditions is that we ask folks to do two courses in either accounting or finance and earn a B plus or better. Uh, Coursera courses are just fine. Uh, so these are online self-paced courses, what are called massive open online courses uh, that you can find out there via Coursera. And so once you 
complete the coursework you typically have uh, from the time of your offer until the deposit deadline, so roughly about three weeks uh, to complete uh, the coursework. But once you do and you satisfy the offer condition, you would receive a full offer of admission, your waiver request would be granted, and you would then be evaluated for a scholarship decision. The other decision here um, that's also possible, and again, this is really, these are the decision outcomes that are possible for anybody who applies, but obviously we're talking about them here in the context of the test waiver, is waitlist. Uh, waitlist is not a yes, but it's not a no. It does mean that you're still being considered uh, for admission to the program. And a lot of the way the waitlist process works is that we will continue to look at the waitlist as we go from deadline to deadline and work through the cycle. Um, it can be a slower process. And so what we encourage candidates to think about is what do you want to do? If Darden is really a school of choice for you, it's a place that you want to be, what do you want to do to strengthen your application? If you submitted a test waiver request and you find yourself on the wait list, it is worth taking that step back and thinking about, do I want to do some additional coursework? Do I want to go take a standardized test? Perhaps I need to take some steps to strengthen this sort of academic end of my application. Not necessarily in every case, we can't give individualized feedback, unfortunately, but we can share more of a generalized, here are some things people in the past have done that have resonated with our admissions committee. And those are two things that we highlight. Uh, so worth, worth thinking about if you do find yourself in that position on the waitlist. But we will continue to look at the waitlist as we go uh, from deadline to deadline. We typically have most of our waitlist activity, meaning people being admitted from the waitlist into the class during the spring and summer months. So again, recognize that it can be a, a slower path, um, but it is, it is another possible decision outcome uh, for folks who apply to our executive MBA part-time MBA programs. Okay, so we talked a lot about standardized tests and test waivers. I feel like it's appropriate to spend some time on that because I would say that's probably the, the number one question that we get from prospective students. I know we started off talking about essays, which are always always fun, but it's good to spend some time with, with test versus test waiver requests because I, I really do feel like with these populations in particular, that does seem to be top of mind uh, for folks. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the recommendation process. This is maybe one of the slower parts of the application process. It's obviously you're not going to write your own recommendation, so you are you are depending on someone else's availability and schedule. It's typically a pretty busy person, oftentimes it's your, your current supervisor. Uh, so how do you encourage people to think about who could be a good recommender? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. Um, I think you've kind of spoken about um, you know being a supervisor, a current manager. I would say that is one of our preferences just because of the the process of the recommendation. We do send a link. They fill out questions um, about your performance that usually a supervisor or manager can can best speak to. And so it's really um, good to get the, the feedback from them. And so I, I often recommend that you be really intentional with who you select as your recommender if that current manager or supervisor um, is available, uh, giving them ample uh, heads up because you know that they're, they're going to need that time, as Brett said. Um, I think even sharing context with them, maybe even talking about your application and, and things you're highlighting can also be really helpful uh, to that recommender so they know. But uh, I, I would also say um, going through that, so being intentional. But there are times when maybe you've started a new job or, you know, you're in a new role and and that manager doesn't know you as well or hasn't gotten the opportunity to to really uh, manage you as long. And so it might be a previous supervisor or there might be someone else that can speak to it. And I think what we say in that instance is that if that happens, I'm using that additional comment section to just communicate why you've selected someone other than your supervisor or direct manager um, and and just letting us know that decision behind it. But we do, even though one is just required, we do allow for two. So that is something that um, I also, when we speak to a lot of candidates, um, 
they're really trying to think, do I ask just one? Do I get two? And it's a very personal um, question, I would say. It's very personalized for each person. But um, as you go through and you're talking to your supervisor and you're kind of thinking about that, maybe it's bringing in another supervisor or it's bringing in another employee. Uh, sometimes there are elements, I would say, uh, with two distinct perspectives. One could be very much like analytical, speak to your performance in some way, and one could talk about your people leadership skills. And so knowing um, how, like what you want to communicate with your recommendations and who could be the best people to recommend you, I think that is the best approach. Yeah, the point you just made there about the decision between one and two uh, recommendations, again, one all the, one is all that's required. So it's really kind of more of a strategic consideration it comes back to where we started the conversation, thinking about the story that you're telling, your application priorities, what you absolutely want to make sure that you're conveying through your application and thinking about each element of the application as advancing some part of that story. So, you know, one recommendation may be sufficient for some folks, but other folks may feel like there's a second person out there who can really give uh, a good perspective and round out the information in their application, something something new uh, from that second person that we did not get from the previous recommender. Um, a couple things to also think about, you know, people always ask, you know, okay, Hey, gosh, it feels like a big thing to apply to a business school. You know, it's a lot of work to be done. You know, where to start? I always tell folks a very easy place to start is by working on your resume. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is it helps you kind of get reoriented to your story. It gets you focused on, you know, what you've done academically, the things that you've done uh, professionally, the impact, uh, leadership, all these kinds of things that you've achieved over the course of your professional career. And also maybe thinking a little bit about the personal end of your story. One of the things that we share uh, with folks is that your resume and your business school application can have a little bit more personality than a typical uh, just work or business resume, uh, because we will see folks share things like hobbies, interests, uh, countries they visited, languages that they speak. Um, podcasts they're listening to, books they're reading, all this kind of stuff. And so it gets you really focused on your story. Um, and I think that's a big benefit given all the things that we've shared here, obviously. But it also can be helpful when you reach out to that recommender to say, hey, here's a copy of my resume and a reminder that we've worked on these projects together and that sort of thing. And as Ali shared, you know, one of the reasons why we want to make sure that you're talking with your, your current supervisor and have this preference for current supervisors is we want to know that you've socialized this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm interested in doing this program. It's a working professional program. Both of these working professional, both of these programs are working professional programs. You're going to be working, whether you're in our executive MBA or part-time MBA program, you're working while pursuing your degree. And we want to know that you've had these conversations with folks at work. I, I can tell you, uh, in our experience, you know, folks who try to have this conversation later in the process, oh, I got admitted to the program, by the way, um, can we now talk about it? It doesn't go as well. And so start these conversations, have them early, often at work, at home, really be, bring people into the process. Talk to them not only about what it'll mean for you and your professional development, uh, but also uh, what it will mean for the organization, uh, what you'll be bringing from school uh, back to work. And certainly you can bring things from work to school. I, this is a big part of doing a working professional program, what's called real-time return on investment, which I feel like is, is something that people feel like they see on a website and know, oh, is that a real thing? It absolutely is. I mean, you talk to the students here, this first week of class, they're already learning things that they can see how they will implement them uh, at work when they show up there on Monday morning after all of this is done. And, and part of that's how you learn it, Dart, right? It's case method. It feels very real. It's all about application. And so I, I just share that this is something that's important to our admissions committee. Uh, now, as Ali mentioned, 
you don't have to choose your current supervisor. There's lots of valid reasons uh, why people might not, you know, new relationship, new role, all that kind of stuff. If you choose someone other than your current supervisor, make sure you explain in the additional comment section of your application around your recommender choice. That'll help answer that question. That's a good example of ambiguity that you would want to resolve, right? So if we see somebody other than your current supervisor, the natural question that we ask is, well, why not the current supervisor? What is that about? Um, and we can come up with a story for that, but you don't really want us to speculate and kind of uh, think about what might be the case. You really want to speak directly to it. And so that's a good example of using the additional comments section of the application. The other thing is to know that the recommendation process completely electronic process. It's actually not a letter of recommendation. It's recommendation materials. It consists of a ratings grid and then three basic three basic questions your recommender will be asked to respond to. Uh, once you put their information to the application, they will get an email with a link to the recommendation materials. And when they click on that link, it opens up the ratings grid and the three questions. And so you really want to make sure after you put their information in, circle back with them, maybe a day or two later, make sure that they got that email with the link. See if they have any questions. Occasionally, this email will get caught in spam filters. And, and if you find out that's the case, uh, just email us. We'll be happy to resend it to your recommender, but stay in touch with your recommender. Again, tends to be a slower part of the process. Uh, also, they tend to be pretty deadline driven. So if you are, say, applying to our October 1 part-time MBA uh, deadline, make sure that you share that with your recommender that we really need to have that recommendation in hand uh, by that by that deadline. You may be wondering, well, how will I know if my recommender's completed uh, the recommendation? Well, you actually get an email once they submit uh, the recommendation. And also, you have an application checklist on your application status page, and the red X next to their name will change to a green check mark. So a couple ways for you to know if they've submitted the recommendation, uh, but generally encourage people to stay in touch and stay in conversation. But to Ali's earlier point, try to give your recommender as much runway as possible. These are busy people and we generally recommend two weeks. It doesn't necessarily take that long. I think honestly, it probably takes about 30 minutes or so of focused work. And you may be wondering what the three questions are that they'll be asked to respond to. Pretty straightforward stuff, honestly. It's how do you know the applicant? That's typically up to about a 50-word response. How does the applicant compare to his or her peers? That can be up to 500 words. Um, most people write probably a few paragraphs. And the last question is, what's one piece of critical feedback you've shared with the applicant? And again, that can be up to about 500 words. We typically see a few paragraphs in response to that. And that, that third question is really the operative question. Um, the question that I think why supervisors make a lot of sense. Peers, colleagues, friends, family, member, family members, these kind of people don't really give a lot of critical feedback. But supervisors do. And they also have that good 360 degree holistic view of the organization. And so that peer question too, they have they have a better sense of how you might compare to people in similar roles in, uh, in the organization. So um, all, all things to consider as, as you think about the recommendation process. But um, another important element of the application, and it's, of course, always nice to hear about someone other than the applicant, about the applicant. It's a helpful perspective to us. Um, so Allie, we talked about a lot of things here. Um, what would you share with candidates? What's your best advice for people as they as they approach the application process? Yes, um, that's a great question. I think, you know, there are so many unique things about each person and what they can bring to the classroom. And I know we've talked about, you know, being intentional, your story. Um, but, you know, everyone has their personal journey. Everyone has um, valuable experiences to share. And so I think taking time, flushing those out, bringing that to us um, and thinking about your why. Why are you doing this? Where are you going? Um, so those are elements that I would say help us as an admissions committee to, to catch that vision, um, to see you for who you are, where you're going, what you want to do. 
uh, and we we really want to see that big picture. Um, but that that's mostly my main advice is just to to really be intentional with that. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully that's come through in, in our conversation today. I mean, even just a small amount of pre-work that we started the conversation talking about, read through the application, see what's required, start to think about, okay, I've got to get my unofficial transcripts. I've got to find a recommender. I want to work on my resume. I, let me look at these short answer questions and, and start to work through drafts. And maybe I need to reach out to a friend to, okay, every writer needs an editor. And so maybe you have a friend who knows you well, who might be able to help you sort of craft your responses in the sense of kind of giving you feedback on 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 what you've written there. Um, there's definitely intention uh, behind it. And, and I think a sort of planning is is always good. It's sort of prep work of sort of thinking about what you absolutely want to convey uh, through through the application itself. And we have a lot of resources out there to help people through uh, the application process. Um, we have web pages on our website, I think probably one of the most helpful pages uh, on the website when it comes to the application process is actually the application process page that walks through step by step by step through the application process. We have blog posts on the Discover Darden blog that talk about each of these elements of the application and give you some, some suggestions as to how you might think through them. Uh, we have Spotify app tips playlist out there for those who are Spotify users. It's also, you can find uh, the app tips playlist on our, on our blog as well. And we host all kinds of sessions talking about the application process. And so we don't want this to be mysterious to you. We don't. And one of the reasons why we have podcasts like this is we don't want you to kind of have to wonder, well, what are they looking for? You know, how are they how are they thinking about all this? I mean, the reality is it's a holistic review. So uh, the the big challenge for an applicant is, well, everything matters. Uh, the best thing about the application process, though, is that everything matters. I think oftentimes people will wonder, oh, what about my GPA or what about this test score or some part of their application? But but the reality is it's about everything uh, together. And, and it's true that for different candidates, different parts of their application may matter differently because, well, your story is unique and 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 your application is different than someone else's application. But as an admissions committee, I mean, we're going to read each application at least four times. There's also committee discussion. We spend a lot of time with the application because we know you've spent a lot of time with the application. We really want to try to get to know you and, and try to cast forward and think about who what all this means for who you'll be in the, in the Darden community. And we, we take that very seriously. This is a very personal place in the sense of, you know, you learn through discussion, people are engaged outside of the classroom. It's a very, it's a very strong, tight-knit community in all of our programs. And so uh, we take that charge. And, and so as an admissions committee, we're trying to think about you in class on a learning team outside of class. And so as an applicant, consider all of this when you approach your application, try to give us every opportunity to get to know you. And that may even be before the application process itself, right? We have phone conversations, uh, we do chats, looking to do some in-person events as well in the upcoming cycle alley. I know you do a lot of those conversations. I mean, that's one of the best yeah. things about the job, right? You get to It really it. is. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that, that was um, something else I was going to mention is just, uh, we want to connect with you. We really do. We want to get to know you. So reach out, schedule a conversation, attend as many events as possible. Um, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why we have that fee waiver is because we really want you to, to go with us. I don't know if we've mentioned it, but if you're, um, you know, if you're engaged with us, if you uh, schedule a conversation and then you attend a webinar event or an in-person event, you can have the application fee waived because we really just want to interact with you. We want to be part of that process. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, so fee waiver, yes, it saves you $250. And, and for folks who are looking for a little bit more detail uh, about that, uh, you can find it on our application process page. It's detailed there. Also, our blog post, we talk about it on pretty much all of our webinars. Um, but it also, I will say, 
as we engage with candidates, folks who come to events, I think they tend to have a clearer understanding of their story, their motivations, right? They've heard current students or alumni, or they've, they've, they've just kind of been around Darden and kind of thought about the structure of the program, what we're talking about in terms of the values uh, of the school. My sense as we, as we engage with folks, if they've come to events, they tend to have a clearer understanding of why they want to pursue an MBA, why they're excited about Darden, maybe even what they want to do post post MBA, you can really feel it. So there's no requirement that people do this, right? We're not looking for you to check boxes, but I do think it's a great way to sort of take a small step and just, you know, reality test the idea. What would it be like to be a Darden student? Let me come to this event and learn a little bit more. And then you're still excited, come to another event. And I, I think that really kind of helps you, you know, get a better sense of the school, but also continue to sort of check in with your own motivations uh, for pursuing pursuing this. And and no, to Ali's point, we're absolutely here to help you along the way. That's why we offer conversations and actually incentivize people to schedule a conversation because everybody's journey to this point is a little bit different. Everybody's candidacy is a little bit different. Uh, we do webinars and all these sort of big tent events, but at the end of the day, it's sometimes nice just to connect one-on-one and ask any questions uh, that might be on your mind. And And know that like, it will probably evolve as you go through the process. I've, I've had multiple conversations with candidates. Oftentimes people will think about this for a few months or maybe even a year or so and, and come back around to it. And, and that's fine. We know working professional candidates looking at executive MBA and part-time MBA programs have a lot on their plate. And so that's why we're here to support you. Um, and so please do not hesitate uh, to reach out. So Ali, any final final words? Anything you'd like to wrap up with here? Yeah, no, I, I think you really said it, that we're here for people. Uh, we're looking forward to engage with you. We can't wait um, to read applications. I'm very excited, um, you know, to read and, and get to know you and, um, yeah, just meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say, uh, again, just to sort of underscore the executive MBA and part-time MBA applications for our classes enrolling August 2024. That's the only start date that we have here at Darden, just one start date. All of our professional degree programs start in August. So these applications are now live. Uh, the first executive MBA deadline, 10th of September, monthly deadlines thereafter. Check out our website for more details on that. Uh, first part-time MBA deadline, the 1st of October, uh, followed by December 1, February 1, April 1, June 1. Um, but we're here to help and support you. And thank you so much for your interest in Darden. Uh, can't wait to read your application. And that was my conversation with Ali Torres, Assistant Director of Admissions for Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business. So as always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, mba at darden.virginia.edu or ptmba at darden.virginia.edu. As always, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.